0: Okay, and now we're back with another episode of Food in the Hood.
1: That's right. This Hello. opening will never get old.
0: <laughs> no, this is just our jingle. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing
1: is, we never planned to make this opening an opening. It just happened, and now we we can't not do it. So <laughs> Pretty
0: much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, well. It's been another month or so.
1: It has. And uh-huh. today we have two food scientists here to talk about non-food scientist-type topics.
0: (laughs) Well, this is just like... You know, the food scientists normally draw the line around here. Yes. right. It'd be like, we can talk about a lot of things and we're mm-hmm. there to talk about certain things. Yeah. And this is one of it.
1: <laughs> and I think, so the thing we're talking about today is nutrition for context, but mm-hmm. it's funny because I feel like as a food scientist, when you tell other people not in the food industry that you're a food scientist, a lot of people assume that you are a nutritionist or you work closely with uh, nutrition and dietetics. But it's actually quite yeah. separate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, today yeah. we're I, dipping into something we don't have expertise in.
0: <laughs> pretty much. Like it took us almost five years to have the guts.
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> we're doing it.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess it's still going to be more on how food influences. Uh, health right health yes, and nutrition
1: absolutely because whatever um, we do whatever we produce whatever we make ultimately it does have an impact on human health right yeah, yeah i, I yeah, think exactly. the way it works in industry is we, we see it as kind of two separate things right food scientists making food safe shelf stable mm-hmm. yummy and then there's the nutritionist side where you know we do work together with the nutrition team to make sure that hey things are well actually usually we work with regulatory. To make sure that things are, let's say, below a certain calorie level or sugar level, um, and we don't work yeah. that intimately with nutritionists actually, which is a point that can definitely be improved uh, upon.
0: Yeah, well, I guess in universities, I, I guess in in companies, it might be different because, right, like not all food companies will have dietitians and nutritionists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, as many as food scientists. Um, But in universities, there are, While our old department is a combo, right? It's food science and nutrition housed in one uh, academic department. Mm -hmm. And there are certainly collaborations in terms of, hey, the food scientists, uh, the the chemists, the engineers can extract potential nutraceuticals from plants and uh, from, um, you know, other sources mm-hmm. and the uh, nutritionists are, in general, more like the experimental biologists or the uh, biochemists who would conduct uh, more like cell-based or or, or or animal-based type of trials to really understand the effect of certain compounds or certain extracts, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, uh, well, we're not too far away from each other, but it's it's like. I think because we have this very close relationship, we always just kind of refer most of the expertise
1: to over the to other our part. colleagues. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think what got us thinking about this topic is we were talking about this right, looking at the history of human health and human nutrition. Obviously, compared mm-hmm. to two, three hundred years ago, even fifty or a hundred years ago, we have mm-hmm. a lot less people who. Uh, are you know close to starvation or who are malnourished and underweight and don't have enough nutrients? In fact, the more pressing problem, some might say, is that we actually mm-hmm. have the opposite problem, which is that people are overnourished, right? Yeah,
0: Eating yeah, yeah.
1: More calories than they should, um, mm-hmm. etc. So, and, and just thinking about how food t- technology has played a part in this is really interesting, because yeah. I think. Traditionally, um, we've gotten better and better at food technologies to make food safer and more shelf stable. Which you know, mm-hmm. a, a can like a, a, a can of beans that's great because it lasts for years, right? Versus something that's fresh, and that's allowed mm-hmm. us to really uh, make nutrition more cost effective and accessible. Um, but then now it's kind of the opposite problem, right? Like, mm-hmm. do we need better food technology to reverse the impact of kind of obesity and yeah. health related to kind of over consumption or do we just need to step out in a way
0: yeah it's <laughs> food
1: scientists and technologists like well, you know what i mean
0: yeah well that's a lot to un- untangle there, that is a right? lot to unpack so, yeah what you said there um first yeah technology from the past certainly preserved better food so that food are more like you said more accessible um but then I think at a point where well it's not like we completely root out uh, uh starvations or mm-hmm. or um under uh, under uh, nutrition right uh, but it's probably not at the current state it's not at a calorie it's not from a calorie perspective but right more from it's a nutrient related to maybe
1: right their country's uh-huh. infrastructure political instability things like that rather than. Mm-hmm uh that's kind of the bottleneck right for the right for for that you know whatever that is still happening today Mm -hmm. um in terms of not enough access to nutritious food Um, uh not that we can't produce it right
0: yeah 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 or 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 like we're not declared like a total success of a food system overall Mm -hmm. so that it's like no hunger at all right there are still yeah uh, hunger and, and it's just expressed differently absolutely um Yeah, but now we have, like you said, this overconsumption problems and it's happening across the globe, right? It's not necessarily just in the developed countries per se. Mm -hmm. Uh, US being one of the representative uh, demographics for for these type of uh, discussions, right? But but it also happens a lot in Mexico uh, as the close neighbor of the US, uh, even though, from an economic development standpoint, these two countries are uh, still quite quite different. The U.S. Mm-hmm. still has a much larger economy, uh, but they still share a lot of common, uh, in, uh, let's say, dietary habits, and also a lot of influence uh, from the U.S. to uh, Mexico and vice versa. So. You also see overconsumption, so so it's a, yeah it's quite complicated of a, of an it's issue. It's almost like yeah?
1: calories are too cheap and accessible and affordable now in certain parts of the world, right? And yeah, and food is addictive.
0: Yeah, that yeah exactly. It's well, kind that, that that kind of like, makes
1: me wonder, right? Like, are people eating more because food is tastier, or are people eating more because food is cheaper and easier to get? Because hmm. in the hunter-gatherer days. Where yeah. you have to, I don't know, run for three hours to catch a deer. <laughs> uh-huh. Like that limit, That that is obviously a resource problem. There's not enough, you know, like you have to work for mm-hmm. it. You have to work really hard just for that piece of meat. Right. Whereas yeah, now yeah, yeah. I can go down to my local bodega and get uh-huh. a giant like human sandwich, um, you True. know, for, for minimum wage. Yeah. So it's sort of. It, or or is it that we have created snacks and food that is so addictively tasty compared to i don't know <laughs> boiled meat what the people eat 500 years yeah. ago roasted chicken yeah. <laughs> yeah so so like what is the you know i i'm very curious what is the root of the problem cuz i think it's easy to point fingers and say hey it's all the cpg companies who make their food super addictive um And it might be it might be the case where, you know, it's it's that food is too tasty and we can't overcome it as human beings. We're just drawn to these, you know, fatty, salty foods. Or is it just that it's just easier to get food generally?
0: Mm, Well, I think it's both. Right. What you said there about advancement in food manufacturing just made it expanded the flavor world too many mm-hmm. right right because in the past especially for example in, in the country like the u.s it's super food were dull right it was very boring mm-hmm. in the past it was mm-hmm. not a lot of choices um but because with salt. <laughs> yeah 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 well then you have uh, a lot of immigrants yeah came into the u.s and, and they brought a lot of cuisines mm-hmm. and and spices the way of cooking overall. And the CPG companies or the food manufacturers started to take inspirations from all of these type of cuisines. I think it's still a topic right now, right? Like it's kind of like uh, the world flavors or what what they're they're still like in new product development, they have these concepts, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of the concepts are still derived from uh, uh, ethnicity type of driven food.
1: Yep yeah and
0: yeah so that's um and and we certainly got the technology to to put something that's a uh traditional type of artisanal food into a more industrialized version mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's in the hands of uh let's say food scientists, and mm-hmm. the drive of that is because these sells better for the the food companies. right right Right. it's sort of like why
1: produce just salt and pepper flavored chips if you can make mm -hmm. 10 different flavors and yeah 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 and indirectly
0: yeah indirectly with the expansion of the flavors and the option of food people could just eat whatever they feel like or or at least their flavor or their palates are easier to be fulfilled um Mm -hmm. And which which I think it's also another story that I, I that I heard was that a lot of the in-house brands, say for example, made of uh, Walmart or Target, uh, they would also produce these um, you know cheaper alternative products, right?
1: Like private label, uh,
0: private labels, yeah. So so these, uh, for example, for chips or cola, and they would intentionally make it quote unquote tastier. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's uh, it's kind of funny to like how do you define tastier, uh, yeah. tastiness, right? And 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 it's typically that they would add ingredients such as, um, you know, flavor enhancers like MSG, mm-hmm. or they are uh, their cola would be even more sweetened than heavier, heavily sweetened than the kind of the industry standard benchmarks,
1: right? Right.
0: To make it more indulgent. Right, Mm -hmm. and that is something quite interesting because you are really targeting a let's say the working class, where the or or, or the uh, um, people would like to uh, buy cheaper alternatives, but the ingredients or what you put in there uh, Mm -hmm. may not be as healthy, quote unquote. Mm,
1: Interesting.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah and and that's that's kind of a dilemma too because as a whether you are a private label, you know, whether you're Walmart or Target or whether you are uh like a CPG company nobody wants to make their food less tasty, right? You always want mm-hmm. your product to be the tastier tastiest product on the shelf so that consumers will pick yours and come back for repeat purchase, right? Yeah. That's built into the uh-huh. fabric of our capitalistic world let's just say right it doesn't matter if you're making chips or if you're making soda or if you're making bread or if you're making cars or whatever it is yeah you want your product to be the best that the consumer can get at the price point it's just that for best (laughs) how we define best right for like a laptop it might be different features for food
0: Uh
1: taste is always number one and it comes before Uh nutrition a lot of times i think that's that's the thing right
0: See, that's, yeah, that that's another, uh, you mentioned maybe making cars is another analogy, right? But I think yeah. another, even probably more relevant one is like TikTok, mm-hmm. right? TikTok is addictive. Right? People or, or, or uh, the maker of TikTok has made it kind of, a, it's a great tool to first right. make videos. Right. right. It's, it produce, it helps you to produce it uh, he, he helps our creators very
1: easily. Yeah, right, very easily right. and
0: with high quality. Right? Right. They built in all those tools so that the video itself is good and it's also super accessible uh, Accessible now with uh, with basically a simple internet and a, and, and a phone, right? Any phone, regardless the price, can run TikTok mm-hmm. more or less, right? And that's kind of like the f- packaged food or the processed food nowadays. Right, yeah. it's high quality. It can tailor, meaning that it can tailor towards your taste buds.
1: Right, because there are so many options. If you don't also, like salt, there's barbecue flavor. Right, it's it's just oops, easy. Sorry. It's yeah, cheap and accessible and easy.
0: Yeah, it, exactly. Compare so like that's
1: comparing TikTok to maybe in the past where you had to go to the movie theater, pay for yeah. a movie ticket. Is the barrier is lower for people to consume whether it's videos or it's mm-hmm. food, right? I,
0: and and the and the thing is nowadays we also talk about digital well-beings right like how much should you consume content is it too much is it bad for your eyes uh kind of uh you know make people exercise less or or uh, addictive to their phones right and it's kind of the same with with food right and and, and but now we because you directly consume food into your body it's it it, it it's just like a more direct link to your health, mm-hmm. the nutrition yeah. intakes, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and
0: yeah.
1: I'm just looking at my notes. Sorry, Ben, uh, got this out.
0: No, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm looking at the one that says the what, what were we going to talk about for this?
0: Yeah, well, this is something. Yeah, exactly. So basically, another way of looking at how kind of food processing innovations or food development innovations has, has done to, uh, overall public health is that, uh, there were, uh, because, um, of advancement in, in food technologies and it makes food tastier, more accessible, cheaper to people to buy, uh, overconsumption became a problem, right? And oven can be linked to chronic diseases. And, uh, I just thought it's pretty funny that most of the kind of the known bad ingredients. Right. The, ingredients the ones that, that people always
1: you, say that you should reduce and not consume yeah, too much of.
0: Are kind of the grandfathered in ingredients.
1: Right. Sugar, Meaning, salt, oil.
0: Yeah. That's like the big three, right? It, 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 nowadays, when, when you said uh, kind of how, how can we unscrew ourselves from over ultra processed food? is to kind of have uh, reduced sodium, uh, sugar-free, and, um, you know, fat-free products.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But the uh-huh. thing is, like, with these ingredients, even something like salt, it's not that it's bad because we we also need it for proper functioning of our body, right? We need sodium, yeah, exactly. ions, um, and... It's it's more about overconsumption, right? Eating too much salt puts you at higher risk for hypertension, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So even for all of these ingredients that we know, some of the, mm-hmm. some of it we do need, and then some of it, you know, when we eat too much, is bad for us. We know these about these ingredients. Um, it, yeah. it, it puts into question how we then determine for new and novel ingredients whether something is good for you or not right? See, a very that's, common that's one is, hard. that is really hard. A common one yeah. is plant-based meat because people are saying, oh yeah, you yeah. don't eat, I mean, it's not meat, you don't get the, you know, saturated fats, but it has a bunch of stuff in it that I don't understand. Yeah, um, yeah. Is, is, yeah, is it exactly. good for me? Is it bad for me? And it's hard to answer uh-huh. that with a one-line answer, which is what people expect when it comes to nutrition. They're like, just tell me, should I eat it or should I not? It's it's yeah. there. There isn't enough nuance in and, these expectations of, you know, people just want to be told one yeah. thing, but it's not that simple.
0: And finding alternatives is difficult, right? To accept an alternative is difficult because an, uh, an alternative typically doesn't have the history,
1: right, the long exactly.
0: consumption history, right? And that goes for almost all these type of quote-unquote new food or new ingredients, right? Nobody knows the long-term effect. And only if you're kind of a grandfather ingredient, uh, then there, there could be some more realistic and scientific, like rigorously tested science, science
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, to, to tell you, hey, uh, uh, overconsumption of sodium does link to hypertension. Right. Um, and, and there are a diabetic effects from overconsumption of table sugar, for example. Right, mm -hmm. and and these things are just not really available to, uh, like potassium-based salt, for example, or plant-based meat, or things Uh, that
1: are developed and designed to be better. But right, how do you how do you show from a nutrition standpoint that it is better? Yeah, Um, Yeah, and
0: and what people can do, uh, or uh, let's say a nutritionist or toxicologist can do is to just suggest that um, the, such and so-and-so new ingredients or so-and-so alternative, it's safe to consume. But that just means like they're they're fine to be consumed uh, as is, right? There's mm-hmm. no limit towards it or there's no long-term effect studies based off certain ingredients. Mm-hmm. And that's what... Um, that's what is kind of different from these more traditional ingredients. Yeah. Because traditional ingredients, we we work on reducing the consumption of them. But alternative ingredients, I feel like we're still not sure whether we should or not (laughs) consume. I think this
1: really brings into the whole point of familiarity doesn't mean uh, safety and it doesn't mean nutritious Mm -hmm. because those are all three different things, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like what we're familiar with for example let's take french fries or just fried carbs we have fried carbs are a staple across many different cultures all around the world people have been doing it for a long time right Mm -hmm. so that is a a, that is something that is a food item that is familiar Um, but then when you look at the nutrition lens when you fry carbs for a very long time sometimes you get a byproduct called acrylamide, which is no, mm-hmm. a known carcinogen, and it's known to be yeah. bad for you. So at the industrial level, there are limits on frying and how you fry and how often you switch out the oil, et cetera, in order mm-hmm. to reduce um, levels of acrylamides. That might not be the case at your mom and pop shop. But regardless, <laughs> just because something is familiar it does not mean necessarily from a toxicology or a nutrition standpoint that it's yeah. good, and just because something is not familiar, also doesn't mean it's bad, right? Exactly. But I think we yeah. equate familiarity with safety, because uh-huh. I think we, I mean, it's a good thing because it means that we trust our regulatory bodies so much that if it's everywhere, uh-huh. it must be safe,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? It's yeah, kind yeah. of
1: the underlying assumption, um, which shows yeah. the faith in that mm-hmm. people have in these um, institutions.
0: Yeah. Exactly, and and well, I, I guess we also kind of brought it up a little bit about this understanding these new alternative ingredients or food, uh, and and one thing is super hard. I think as a researcher or a scientist, I would not like a nutritionist job uh, or their <laughs> type of research. It's just because simply they're so hard, right? They're mm. they're so difficult to do, and I'll give you they're an very example. difficult to
1: conduct. Yes.
0: Yeah, 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 and and they're not like pharmaceutical trials. Because pharmaceutical trials are, I, I think, to my limited understanding, it's it's a bit more straightforward. Right? you you have oh, a clear goal right. about it. It's you're like this see. is the
1: dosage level we're using because that's what the final yeah. user will use. Right, this is yeah. the like what we're targeting. It's yeah. more clear cut. Whereas nutrition, you don't know what you're measuring yeah, sometimes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Pr- pretty much. And, and the right? thing about nutrition is it's complex effect. Rather than let's say even like COVID vaccines right they they are quite uh it, it's extremely sophisticated science that goes into it mm-hmm. but, but the effect everybody knows right like even when a toddler would know like whether you get covid or not is it's, uh, it's yeah. kind of what 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 it's what's, the, what's the final and measure? it's clear
1: cut it's not like yeah. a lot of times in nutrition effects are chronic not
0: acute yeah Exactly. How do
1: you measure that? And it's not ethical uh-huh. to force somebody to eat french fries every day just so yeah. that you want yeah. to get data.
0: It, I mean, I'm exactly. sure some people will yeah. volunteer
1: for it, but. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, there, there are procedures, right? But then uh, for um, type, like medical type of trials, you, yeah. you, it might be more uh, approachable. Uh, mm-hmm. then, then, uh, or, or there are more resources, right? The, the, the pharma wants to sell these drugs or the, the, the new treatments. Uh, so they will invest, uh, uh resources to help them recruit and do these. Uh, but the example that I want to give is about, uh, consuming plant-based, uh, a plant-based diet, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily a, uh, kind of a traditional plant-based diet, uh, let's say, uh, derived from, maybe from the Hindu culture or, or some of the other uh, vegetarian-based uh, traditional diet, but rather from a modern kind of Western plant-based right. alternative diet. Right. Like that is the Beyond Meat, uh, the Impossible Burger, these type of uh, uh, products, right? Because we know they're, they're around us. Uh, we know consuming such products in general is good for the environment right but we don't know for a certain for fact or or, or any direction that, uh, or any conclusions that we want to make how how uh, how it's impacting our long-term health right mm-hmm. because none of these companies old enough or, or uh, no there there hasn't been enough people to consume it for that long period of time
1: I think the way some people might go about this would be right looking at the ingredients that goes into these plant-based burgers looking at the processing that they go through and making a judgment on mm-hmm. hey soy isolate we have used that for you know yeah x many years and it's safe it's okay or yeah. whatever it might be and then make making a judgment there i think that that mm-hmm. would be one of the ways that people go about it right you look at the components kind. rather than the sum
0: Kind of, but it's not even just the sum and the component, right? It's also processing. Nobody's really, like in the past, nobody's cooking soy protein at 120 to 140 mm. degrees C through an extruder. Mm. Uh, it's mostly consumed differently.
1: Right. right? I so- think that's the thing with a lot of food technologies in general that we yeah. do. Or even mm-hmm. making... Okay, take something like crackers. Right? Yeah. Flour, water, heat, extrusion mm-hmm. or, or puffed uh, chips mm-hmm. or whatever that may be. I mean, I, I my fear with this episode yeah. is that uh-huh. people are going to listen to this and be like, "We can't eat anything that's processed. We can only <laughs> eat spinach yeah. and Swiss chard and yeah. like eggs from the farm."
0: yeah well no 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 what but what we're really talking about it's not like what we don't know is there are a lot of things that we don't know for right a fact, but that we still do it yes right and and that's probably how, how it i mean be we at.
1: consume i found this out recently on average we all consume enough microplastics per week to make up one credit card so one credit card worth of plastics. We indirectly per week. Yeah. So if your lotion's in a plastic bottle and you put it on your face, or if you eat a salad and it touches, you know, its packaging, uh-huh. plastic packaging. Okay, I'm wow. pretty sure it's a week, but maybe it's a month. Let me check. Okay. <laughs> We're scientists. Let's let's fact check a little bit.
0: Well, that's a lot.
1: Yes. So. The way our modern world functions as it stands is there's a lot of things that happen and that we do that has an impact on our body and human health that we don't really know in the very long term what the implications are. And that is the end of my sentence. (laughs) There is no greater insight from it, but um, it's a little concerning, right? But it's also the state that we're in today. But generally, if you think about it, compared to our great-great-great-great-grandparents, we live longer and healthier than they do.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But tell us again about the microplastics.
1: Yes. Um, There is a CNN article that we likely consume the equivalent of a credit card's worth of plastic every single week. So, and that mm-hmm. is in the form of microplastics, which is a very small you know, amounts that shut off mm-hmm. our everyday objects. So, let's say your laptop might be partially plastic, your hair comb, or when you touch your toothbrush, or mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is that you touch, um, even skincare products or whatever that is that are stored in plastic bottles, uh, mm-hmm. all of those you can be absorbing into your body as microplastics. And there's a lot of science being done on what the health impacts of those are, right? Mm -hmm. But my point of bringing that up is that there's a lot of things that make our life easier, (laughs) but also have impacts on our lives
0: in the long term. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and these are even more indirect, right? Because when we Mm -hmm. invented or developed plastics, we just went for it. Yeah. There wasn't too much test, right? And um, microplastic, this concept probably was in, like officially emerged about 10, 15 years ago, right? Like even before that, nobody really, we didn't really have the the, 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 the effort. We didn't spend the effort or nor did we have enough abundancy of technology to detect right, them. Right, right. Uh
1: And a lot of it was born out of necessity, right? Because at Mm -hmm. some point during all the world wars, we don't have enough rubber, metals. I mean, people were rationing Mm -hmm. things and asking people to bring in their own metal objects so that they can be, you know, remelted and used for the war. So that's where kind of the plastic industry exploded.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I I I mean that all that said, we're coming back to our discussion about how food and kind of alternative foods or, or new source of ingredients, uh, and its relation to human health. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a it's difficult to kind of make any conclusive statement uh, unless it's a grandfather type of ingredients, and, mm-hmm. and and B it's that uh, a lot of things that we don't know the effect doesn't mean that we
1: yeah
0: it it would have a negative effect.
1: Right, right. Right. So this is is another
0: thing. Yeah, that that I think as food scientists uh it's our responsibility to develop new options. Right, Mm -hmm. because our KPI is just like this sugar-free drink has to taste as sweet as the sweet like sugar sweetened drink. Or no salt should taste also salty somehow.
1: Right, um,
0: right. Yeah, but the consumption of it and the long term effect of it, it's simply very difficult to answer and it's difficult to uh, kind of format these studies. Mm-hmm.
1: And they are always
0: then, trailing. Yeah.
1: Right, right. And it also begets the question if there is some negative impact. Is it okay? Because salt in yeah. excess has a negative impact, but it's okay. Indeed. We use it in everything. We use it to preserve things. We use it to sweet. Uh, we use it in everything. Um, for some of these novel ingredients, right? Is it a lot yeah. of it? I think is a matter of dosage.
0: Indeed. And also, yes. there's
1: also the the question. You know, sometimes things nothing is ever only good or only bad. Even if you look at the plastic industry, yes. It is, it is a problem and we need to address it because it doesn't break down. And we mm-hmm. have a lot of technology and effort going into that to make sure that we can rectify that. Mm-hmm. But plastic is also used for – this is from a CNN article. It's used in a blood bag. It's used as, let's say, tiny IV tubes for a premature baby. It's used for plastic artificial limbs because it's lightweight enough, Right. So there are mm-hmm. also a lot of very important applications. You can say the same about food, right? Well, if we're creating a food item that is going to reduce our carbon footprint by and, and be really good for mother earth, um you know, are we okay I, with trading off a little bit of the health component similar to yeah. salt, right? Similar <laughs> to salt.
0: That's yeah, that that's <laughs> actually a nice argument. Right. It, it's like how is yeah? I guess it's also, um, I guess one of the ways to look at it is is that look, uh, plant-based alternatives has been on the market and it's been they've been successful at uh, penetrating into the mass consumer market, uh, but really nobody really knows too much about long-term consumption effects, right? Plants kind of have this positive connotation with health um, but it's not necessarily true if it's a blend of multiple ingredients right and, and it also contains ingredients that are uh, typically not present at high level right because uh, sure the gums or the binders in these uh, alternative meat products is it's less um, it's uh, it, it, it's kind of uh, a small fraction per portion, but if you're eating it every day, as if you're eating, uh, regular, uh, you know, animal meat products, it's still quite a lot to, to consider. Right. Right. And even if we already, about,
1: let's say, right. It, it's kind know. of, are you eating it once a year? Are you eating it every day? And what are the implications? It, it,
0: yeah. And, and we have some data maybe on these gums, right. But these data might only hold true for let's say uh ice creams or 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 or, or some um mm. you know uh, you're industrial talking about bakery a different products.
1: food matrix and if it goes through a different processing there might yeah. be different health implications that we are not aware of
0: yeah and also perhaps just the level of consumption is also different like I said, uh, you don't eat ice cream every like three meals a day. You you can, uh, but you shouldn't. Right.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna say yeah. uh, uh, not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Some of us like our ice cream more than others. True. But yes, yeah. those are all very relevant mm. points. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like with these things, we uh, always end up talking about how complex it is, right? Yeah. And it's very hard to measure and it's complex. But I mean, (laughs) as a consumer, because I am assuming you consume these things, even though not regularly, what would you wish? um, What would you wish are the, I guess, hurdles or uh, hurdles is not the right word. What do you wish could be done by the way we evaluate the health impact of these foods so that you as a consumer will feel better about what you're putting in your body?
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that you ask this way because uh, I, I think part of the reason we want to record an episode about this topic is that I went to a uh, lecture talk, a seminar talk uh, given by a, a kind of a public nutritionist about impact of ultra-processed food on human health. Right. And this, the, the exact question, it was phrased differently, but the context was the same. Uh, one of the uh, audience asked the same question to the presenter mm-hmm. about like, how, how should we inform people or what, what, what are the necessary informations? Right. And, and um, uh, the, the, the talker, the presenter given an a answer about personalized nutrition or, or about uh, kind of individualized nutritional uh, dietary monitoring and, uh, and kind of the uh, biometric uh, measurements, right? Like, like your uh, uh, Apple Watch uh, to monitor your, your blood pressure or, or, or heart, heart rates, uh, these type of stuff. And if we can give a individualized type of, it, it, it's not as really, because we have to change the perspective a little bit it's not that we want to really give public health level of data or study or conclusion, right? That's very difficult. Mm -hmm. But thanks to the advancement of uh, these technologies in general about monitoring an individual's human health as simple uh, and rapid and and, uh, cost-effective as possible, what we could necess- do is to say that how is a given food consuming a, 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 a given diet has an impact on a certain individual, and a type it only stays.
1: Right.
0: No, no, no. It might just be one person. Right. It doesn't have so to be. Are yeah. you
1: envisioning something where, let's say, I wear a watch or whatever it is, and it allows it will collect data about exactly what I put into my body. What I Mm -hmm. eat, how much of it I eat, and it will track my biometrics in terms of XYZ nutrients in your blood Mm -hmm. serum level, my -hmm. general mood, my maybe when I eat, I don't know, XYZ ingredient, I actually get a headache afterwards or my heart function goes down. Mm -hmm. Whatever that may be, Um, sort of a cause and response effect and have that be personalized to every single person.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And this it goes in both levels, right? If such a thing is possible, um, like at the individual level, you kind of just have a digital dietitian. Uh, because if you have the data, automizing, yeah. uh, automating the part about giving dietary uh, advices will be rather easy right a chat Mm -hmm. gpt could just do that
1: i was just about to mention ai comes back and seals the stage again but kind of would be a very
0: yeah but the ai would never really able to make a new sensor that monitor your ekg right it has to be human to do that and put it somehow but then in terms of processing the
1: data and spitting out relevant nutritional advice yeah yeah i can see that happening
0: true 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 yeah so do you ever feel
1: like whenever we talk about anything we always uh come back to the same few like topics of plant-based meat and also ai personalized (laughs) nutrition five years ago and personalized nutrition from five years ago till now i feel like whenever we talk about any topic we somehow find a way to weave these three things in you know
0: you know uh, there there might be one explanation to this amanda
1: i think i think the explanation is you
0: <laughs> no the the explanation is that we're just on the cutting edge
1: <laughs> maybe okay actually though i know chat gpt blew up and everything but ben and i were talking about it in like october of 2022 before it was True. even a huge thing
0: yeah we just even saying, did a little saying, uh, format uh, yeah if you're new to this podcast uh, you might want to flip back a few episodes last yeah. year, and uh, we did a small uh, on-air uh, formulation exercise with ChatGPT. Exactly, we used yeah.
1: ChatGPT to replace a product developer, and we made a formula. Mm. But, yes. you know, just uh, saying, if you want to know what's cutting edge, <laughs> you should continue to listen <laughs> to this podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, sh- should we wrap up things here then? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I guess all in all, what we're saying is that uh, the, the takeaways are, are, are pretty clear, right? So because we're, we're kind of moving away from underconsumption to overconsumption, and the problem with rises, and the food scientists are doing its job to kind of be in the provider mm-hmm. of technologies and solutions. Uh, but on the flip of the coin, uh, it's very difficult to measure these complex issues. Um, you know it's com- complex uh, uh, phenomena long-term
1: of health impacts
0: in yes. indeed and and that like what Amanda said as an alternative is like can we really just turn it into an ethical type of issue like would you sacrifice a little bit of your house to save the environment?
1: right <laughs> If you know you're saving I think it's Mother excellent Earth. yeah I Dear think it's a- excellent
0: argument yeah it's an excellent argument uh, for for, for to, to some degree right.
1: Yeah. yeah okay
0: <laughs> that's what we are talking about like this is where you ask two food scientists to talk about nutrition <laughs> Just yeah this like...
1: is <laughs> don't come here if you're expecting nutrition advice we are not providing any yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. always devolve into a philosophical yeah moral ethical type yeah. of conversation no yeah but we talk about this so.
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh wow well. so um, if you enjoy topics like this and talk like this, uh you can tell us about it or suggest new topics. Uh you reach out you can reach out to us at fihpodcast at gmail.com. And uh thanks for listening.
1: Thank you. Till next time.
0: Bye bye.